Hello and welcome to Live from the Space Shed, a podcast all about space and science hosted by me, John Spooner, and me. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I mean you. <laughs> Mini John. Long story short, a few years ago I accidentally set up my own space agency based out of the shed at the bottom of my garden. Turns out that if you go around telling people you're the director of human spaceflight operations for the unlimited space agency wearing an orange spacesuit, more people than you might think want to play along. And now the British astronaut Tim Peake is our patron and he took me with him to space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, alright, he took you with him to space. So Mini John became Unser's first astronaut. Since then, we've been touring in UNSA's mobile headquarters, The Space Shed, to festivals like Latitude and Blue Dot, telling stories, talking to some super cool space and science people, and we've recorded our chats so you can find out about their amazing work as well. Yes, Mini John. My favourite planet is ours, Earth. I like it here, the trees, the oceans, the mountains, the animals, the humans, most of the humans. What's yours? <laughs> oh, well, that's great, because this week's guest in Live from the Space Shed is our friend Abby Hutty, the space engineer building the European Space Agency's ExoMars rover that's launching to Mars in 2020. <laughs> she is super cool. Do you remember when she visited us in the faraway forest at Latitude Festival? <laughs> Yeah, we had a few technical problems with the shed, so we're starting this episode a little further into the conversation than normal. (laughs) Onwards and upwards indeed. (laughs) Let's go, enjoy this episode of Live from the Space Shed. Abby, uh, you're one of my favourite people to have in the shed, so I'm sorry that that all went uh, that way. Why don't you tell us, you're a space engineer. Yes. What do space engineers do, Abby? Uh, All sorts of things. Um, So at the moment I work on a project called ExoMars, which is the first European Mars rover mission. Uh, So I've spent six years working on that so far, which makes me feel ancient. Um, (laughs) But uh, starting off doing the design of the actual structure of the rover, so the body, like the chassis of the rover. And now the structure is all designed. We finished all of that design. So I'm in charge of making sure that all of the different bits of the rover come together, get tested, get integrated and built up to make the full rover. That's pretty cool, right? Show of hands, who thinks Abby's got a cool job? Building an actual Mars rover. When's it going? Uh, so it's due to launch in summer 2020. Summer 2020, which is only like two years away. It's two yeah. years today. Say it today. Is, yeah. yeah, it's two years today. It's going to launch more successfully than we did this morning, I hope. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. yeah. Why is it going there? What, I mean, we've got two rovers up there already, right? Uh, we've got more than that. More, uh, we got, oh. But some of them don't work anymore. Uh, uh, <laughs> how many, how many well, rovers are there? Uh, so there are four up there at the moment in various states of falling apart. Some of them are pretty old now. And ours will be the first European one. So all of the ones that are there so far have been built by NASA, the American Space Agency. So, uh, 2020, actual Mars rover that you are building. You've been the lead yes. engineer on it. You're making sure it gets assembled, that all the that it doesn't fail. On the way. Yep. How many in your team? How many people working with you? 
so working for me, about 25, but there's about 170 working at Airbus on the whole of the rover, and there's probably about 1,000 worldwide working on it. So 1,000 people that are collaborating together across the world. That's so, yep. that's so cool. And um, I'm just thinking, anyone here, you think Abby's got a cool job, but anyone, maybe at the front here, some of the smaller people, would anyone fancy maybe in the future trying to build a rover that goes to another planet? You definitely do. There's a, yeah, excellent. Okay, and I'm guessing you're like six, maybe four. Yeah. If these guys are six and four, how are they going to get involved with building stuff that goes? To, how did you do it? Uh, just keep building stuff. Keep making stuff. Uh, any stuff. Uh, Lego stuff. Marble runs stuff. I love making marble runs. I was an absolute ace at marble runs when I was a kid. Toilet rolls and kitchen roll tubes in my house were not safe. Really, just staying creative, staying curious, and maybe doing some sums and science and stuff along the way. <laughs> maybe fit in the sums. Yeah. But this is something we've heard all weekend from all of the guys that have been in the shed. They say it's the the curiosity yeah being curious making things and just keeping that kind of connection with how to build things and how to make things work cool this rover like i said there's four up there two of them don't work two of them are still one of them might not still work we haven't heard from it in a month oh is that since the storm that's really sad so we've only got one working rover up there at the moment potentially just as well we're sending another one um (laughs) but what's special there's something very special about your rover Uh, so our rover will be the first rover that's actually looking for life on mars all of the others have been looking for things like they they say looking for the conditions to support life and that basically means if we send humans there can they carry on living um is there water there is there oxygen there things like that but actually we want to answer a very different question which is is there separate mars life still on mars so we need to answer that question before we send humans there because as soon as we send humans there humans are really dirty covered in like bugs and bacteria and stuff like that as soon as we send humans we won't be able to work out if anything that we find on mars has actually just been brought across from earth so we need to make sure that we know for certain what and it's are we alone in the universe it's one of humankind's earliest questions i think that's a it's a good question because how, how much is it costing to build this rover so there's two different missions one is already gone so we're probably only a half of this or something but it was 1.6 billion euros for the whole two missions 1.6 billion but worth it if we find out the answer to the question are we alone in the universe i think so that sounds like small beans to me and how are you going to answer this question the well, the big thing that we've got that nobody has ever taken to Mars before is we've got a dirty grate drill on the front of our rover. So it can actually drill down further under the ground than I am tall. So two metres under the ground is where we're going to look for life. And we know that the environment at the surface of Mars is so hostile, is so radiated from space and stuff like that, that nothing could survive there. But under the surface, deep down under the soil, uh, that's where things could be still protected enough to still be alive. You've got some pretty good hunches about that. You're, you're, I think you're quite confident, aren't you? I, I really hope that we find something there. I really do. What would we find? What's the most likely... Th- what's the thing you're expecting to find? Um, Green, alien... Slugs, forms, snails, me- uh, squirrels. Lizards no, none of with that. None Theresa of that. May masks. <laughs> skins. Really, we think that if there was big life on Mars, if there were actually you know things scuttling around on the surface, we would have seen them or we would have seen evidence of them from the rovers that have been there so far. So what we expect to find is much more like bacteria, bugs, fungi, things like that. Little tiny single cell or um, very basic organisms like that. And the reason that you're confident about that, I think, is because we already know, we have evidence and we're pretty certain that there was at some stage water on Mars. Yep, we know that there was water on Mars and it used to flow. 
And one of the really interesting things that I think is a good supporting theory for life is that there's methane on Mars. Now, on Earth, we only get methane created either by volcanoes or by life forms. And we know for a fact that there aren't any active volcanoes on Mars because we'd be able to see them. So that means that if there's methane on Mars and it's still being produced today, we can tell that it's still being produced because it was only last about four, five hundred years on Mars. It would get broken down in the atmosphere. So we know that there must be a source of methane on Mars and that could be a life source. So that's pretty cool. I think that's cool. Sending rover to Mars to discover life out there. This is your opportunity to ask a person who is building objects that go to other planets. If you've got any questions, now is your opportunity to ask them. Who's got a question for Abby? I'm going to go with the smaller person first. How much money do the singular Mars rovers cost? Does one cost more than the other? Oh, like which is Ooh. the most expensive Mars rover? Uh, like which is the Ferrari? <laughs> I, I don't know for certain, but I would imagine that Curiosity, which is the really big, most recent NASA rover, is the most expensive one so far, just because it's a lot bigger than all of the others. And it's got a big uh, nuclear generator on the back, which are, they're pretty expensive. Hopefully everyone knows this, but it posts pictures quite often of itself and of the Mars landscape. Yep, it's on Twitter. You can follow it. So if you, if you didn't know that, you can literally, almost daily, look at a picture of Mars from earth which i think is cool show of hands who knew that a handful of you it's going to blow your minds you can see other planets it's great good question we now know curiosity slightly larger person here hello uh, so you said about life forms being bacteria or things like that but surely they're going to be totally and utterly different not even bacteria or cells that's one of the really interesting things is it's that by definition it would be alien life. So we wouldn't know what it would look like. So we've just got to go with what we would recognise as being life here on Earth and hope that it's similar enough what we find that we'll be able to work out that it's life there. But yeah, it could be something completely different. What do you hope it's going to be? Something that blurs the boundaries between what is life and what we consider not to be life, like rock. That something rocky amazing. and squidgy and with eyes. And all, no, no eyes. No eyes, no eyes. <laughs> Little scuttling rock things. Scuttling rocks, but also that live on a different time scale. Like maybe they live for a billion years. Cool. Or maybe live for half a second, you know, walking our ideas of time. How, how long have you been here? <laughs> Three seconds. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I met someone yesterday, uh, Ziggy, who's here, who was telling me that there's some strange opinions around. I like that one, scuttling rocks. That's a, that's a good thing. But Ziggy was telling me that our cosmic creators are going to be here in October for the event. They're going to be here to take us away from this planet into a new realm. So you should find Ziggy. I think you two would get on. <laughs> Thank you. Who's... Hello again. You've got another question. What's, what's your question for Abby? What is your favourite planet? Obviously Mars. <laughs> Otherwise I wouldn't be sending a Mars rover to it. Why is Mars your favourite? Mars is in what we call the Goldilocks zone. So it's not too hot and it's not too cold. So it's the kind of place that life could live if it was going to live in our solar system. And it's a bit like Earth. Actually, if you look at some of the pictures from Mars of the surface, it looks just like deserts or kind of mountain landscapes on Earth. You could really believe that it's being on Earth. So... It's 
familiar enough that you can imagine yourself there, whereas some of these gas planets that don't actually have a solid core and stuff like that, it's just too far-fetched that you can't really picture yeah. how you'd explore it, how you'd live there. Stupid gas planets. Do you, do you have a least favourite? Ooh, um, I, I'm not keen on Venus. No, me neither. No. I agree. What's your favourite planet? Mars as well. Was it Mars before you met Abby? Oh, it was. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Gentleman in the front row. He's going to talk about cosmic creators. I can Hi. sense it. Hi, Abby. Um, I just wanted to ask, why two metres? Why not ten metres? Why not 36 Good question. Why two metre deep drill? Um, so, if you want to get technical, radiation is shielded on an exponential scale by the depth of material that is covering it so two meters i worked this out once and i can't remember but it's something like 99.999 percent of all of the shielding that the whole of mars would give you is given by two meters so if it can't survive at two meters chances are it can't survive on mars that is an excellent excellent answer that's a good one right now you know thanks abby who else got a question for abby yes What do you have to study at university to become a space scientist? Nice. There are actually lots of different things that you could study at university and become a space scientist or a space engineer. So the most common ones, I did mechanical engineering. Um, you can do aerospace engineering. There's quite a few people that studied physics or people that studied maths. But also to work in the space industry, we need all kinds of different skills and all kinds of different people. So we have lawyers, so they studied law, and we have business analysts, and they studied business probably, and all kinds of other people like that. So most of us are engineers. Some of us are physicists, but there's all kinds of different things as well. This has really come through. We were talking about uh, Kevin Fong in yesterday, and he was saying, just really emphasising, that you can do any job. His favourite space people are the guys he was talking about that lock the door on the space shuttles. So they literally have a key on a fob, and they go and they lock the door, and then they go and stand away from the... And it goes to space. And they say that a little bit of me goes into space every time I do it. So that's not really a space scientist, I guess, but you still get to work in space... Also, because you've asked the question, you're the first girl that's asked this question, you said there's a thousand people working on your On the rover around the world, yeah. yeah. Around the world. How many of those are women? Ooh, I don't actually know, um, because I've only met the people, the 160 people at Airbus that work on it. In the UK, 11% of engineers are women, so it's not huge. It's getting much better. So the amount of people studying um, engineering at university is more like 15, 20%, depending on the university. So it's kind of improving, but it's got a long way to go. Study hard. Join Abby on this mission. We need more people like you. By the time, although by the time you're old enough to go to university, I'm really optimistic about getting over the whole gender thing, right? Because gender's just a construct. Uh, it's just an idea. And by that stage, you won't, it, it won't matter. We'll all just be... It doesn't matter Humans. now, but there's just a lot of people that I think parents and grandparents, teachers and careers advisors that just don't understand what engineering means and what you can do with engineering and that you can do these really cool cutting-edge things like building spaceships. If you study engineering, they're all like, oh, no, it's fixing washing machines, isn't it? And it all starts um, with a marble And run. then it just turns people off the idea yeah. of um, becoming an engineer. Cool. But it opens so many doors. What do you think you're going to study? Yeah, have a good think about it. Don't know. You, you shouldn't know. You're only like eight. Why? What a ridiculous question Don't to ask Don't tell someone. her that the sky's the limit. There are footprints on the moon. <laughs> um, no. Gentleman at the back. Hello. Uh, I wondered if there's any evidence of the so-called building blocks of life 
Yes, 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 and yes. Hey! Do you need to say any more than that? Uh, probably not. No. I, I love the fact that there is lightning on Mars. I think that's pretty cool. So we've got pictures of that? Uh, I'd like I, to see a lightning storm I, on Mars. I don't know if we've got pictures of it like from a rover, but we can definitely see it from the sky. But there are things like dust devils and things like that just because of the heating up of different layers of the atmosphere. And that means that you get these dust storms and then you get these static discharges. So it's maybe not lightning in quite the same way that it is here on Earth, but you still get these kind of lightning arcs that, that come down. Still looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Girl in the front with the hat. Hi. What made you want to do this job, Abby? Oh, um, so I had no idea that there was any kind of space industry in the UK when I was at school. Um, so I got right up to doing my GCSEs, really, before I had any idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, at one point, I was just going to open a teddy bear factory. I thought that was probably the, uh, the safest bet. Um, I like teddy bears. Why not? But then while I was doing my GCSEs, I was really lucky that just at that time there was in the news a lot of stories about Beagle 2, which was actually a British-built probe to go to Mars. It wasn't a rover. It wasn't going to drive around. It was just going to um, go down onto the surface and do some experiments. But I kept seeing these news articles about it and people saying that British engineers were making this probe to go to Mars. And I thought, wow, if British engineers are making something that's going to another planet, then perhaps engineering is a good thing for this British girl to study. Was it at that moment that you went, that it was, oh, it's space I want to do? Well, yeah, I'd never really been that into space before. I'd never kind of looked through a telescope or done all of those other things that a lot of kids are excited about from a young age, um, just because I kind of thought it was unattainable. It wasn't something that I could do here. And then I found out that it was, and it kind of opened this door in my mind of like, wow, this this is cool, and I could actually do this. Well, that's brilliant. And also, and that's now what you're doing as well. Sort of going, yeah, I am building a spaceship, come and help me build a spaceship absolutely so this is why i love going out and talking to families and kids and saying look this is actually something you really can do and it's a hugely growing industry there's loads of people um, that we're going to need in the next few years and it really is something that you can aspire to and at a time when it is more difficult to get work and jobs and particularly if you're in the performing arts i mean cuts or stereo but space industry should have gone into space well yeah it's, it's growing and it's grown all the way through the recession and it's um predicted to continue growing so it's a great industry to be joining cool one more question two more questions then because you're very keen but we're going to coming from here first my daughter wants to be a space engineer just like you perfect She's doing her A level yep what did you get what did you get to get into university <laughs> reveal what grades did you get at A level Abby that's that's um, tough dude I'm glad you didn't ask me. So I did, uh, the only real subjects that were essential to study an engineering degree are physics and maths. Uh, so I did physics and maths and then I did design technology just because I like making things. And I did French because why not? And I actually got A's in all of those. Yes. Well done. I'm not, yeah, I'm, glad, I'm really glad that question didn't come to me. Four A's. <laughs> um, well done. Uh, yeah, one more question at the back there. What do you say to the flat earthers and people that don't believe we landed on the moon? Um, it, it's a struggle to have an extended conversation um, <laughs> with those kind of people. I did sit next to a guy once at a wedding whose response to what do you do, I'm a space engineer, was, oh, really? I don't believe in that. And I just <laughs> We didn't believe in what part of what it? Part? What part? 
yeah, it's it's a complicated one. I mean, it's my my favourite thing about flat earthers is um, Elon Musk tweeting the Flat Earth Society and saying, "If there's a flat Earth society, why isn't there a flat Mars society?" And the Flat Earth Society replied, "Not even joking, because Mars has been observed to be round." <laughs> Because we can see it from the flat Earth. Yeah. It's just like, but if Mars is round, then what makes you... <laughs> so there's, there's basically nothing to say to them. No, no, sorry. No. Anyone here believe that the Earth is flat? You do. You, you don't. Uh, anyone here believe that the moon landings were faked? Oh, we're doing well today. Ziggy? <laughs> Kevin Fong, was, again, was saying yesterday that... Because it's difficult to believe that these things... Are successful because how risky is it? This mission that you're sending to Mars, what are the like? What are the chances of it getting there? Well, if you look historically, um, and we are getting a bit better, but um, we've sent over 50 missions to Mars now. Missions that have had some kind of scientific connection with Mars, whether they're taking pictures of it or they're landing on the surface or whatever. And of those, only just over 50 percent have been successful. So it's 50-50. Yeah. So it is difficult, and it is. That's why I think it's difficult for people to believe sometimes the idea of landing on the moon. Although it, it seems so far fetched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is so complicated. How could you possibly get all of those things right at the same time for one mission? And what's because this is like you say, this is years and years of your and thousands of other people's lives, work, research yep. going yep. into it. Can you, do you ever think about? how it would feel if it didn't you can't you just can't go there psychologically (laughs) you have to keep going i mean there are some people because beagle 2 the mission that inspired me in the first place wasn't actually a success and there's a lot of people that work where i work um who did work on beagle 2 and it's still this kind of dagger in their hearts Mm. so um in some ways a lot of them are trying to kind of get over that and uh, get closure for that by working on exomars and hoping that that one does work and it's also it's this persistence thing, right? You've got to keep trying. You've got to keep going. Absolutely. Nothing <coughs> works first time, right? You wouldn't do anything amazing if you gave up the first time it didn't work. You've got to keep trying. Like today when we tried to open the shed, which you would think was, would be a simple thing. But no, uh, <laughs> we've really got that. Abby, you're not going to be running away, are you? Nope. You're here for the day. Uh, what are you excited about seeing? The Killers later. Killers this evening. Got a beautiful day for the rest of the day. Loads of stuff to do here. We're going to be back at two o'clock where I tell you the story of how I hat my space. We've got Jen Gupta in at four o'clock. She's awesome. Go see her. Yeah, but before then, if, like, Abby's not running away. So if you didn't get to ask a question that you wanted to, then do come and uh, see her down here outside the shed. Thank you for bearing with us through the technical things a little bit earlier. Would you please give a massive Far Away Forest round of applause to Abby Hattie. You want to go to Mars? Well, I suppose now that you've been to the International Space Station, I guess we do need a new mission for you. (laughs) I really don't think. (laughs) What a great idea, MJ, but I'm not sure that there would be room for you to fly there with Abby's rover. (laughs) You are only small. Well, I guess we could ask. (laughs) Okay, okay. I mean, maybe Abby will listen to this and think your idea's a good one. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to Live from the Space Shed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at untheatre, that's U-N theatre, and you can find full details and social links at our website, thespaceshed.com. 
Live from the Space Shed is an unlimited theatre production with Season 1 brought to you in association with the Science and Technologies Facilities Council, the Cockcroft Institute, the Space and Arts Council of England, with special thanks to Dr. Rob Appleby of Manchester University. Our theme music is Go by Public Service Broadcasting, used with their extremely kind permission. Our sound engineer and editor is Andy Wood, with additional sound design by Elena Pena. The show is produced by John Spooner and Alice Massey, with support from our friends at StoryKings. Live from the Space Shed is an unlimited theatre production on behalf of the Unlimited Space Agency. See you for more! <laughs> Live from the space shed soon. <laughs> <laughs>